Good morning, NBCC, and welcome. I'd like to give a special shout out to our San Jose campus. Woo woo! Everyone that's watching online, welcome. And you know what? Even a few of our Redwood City campus attendees, if you're watching online today, good morning to you from your campus pastor. Much love. And greetings to each and every one of you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, I'd like to share with you some insights that, have, that I have used over the last eight years to stay connected with God and his calling that he has placed on my life here at NBCC. Now, I'm not going to keep you long, but what I want you to do is get your pen, paper ready, and those of you that are online, be ready to type in the chat. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to share with your people. I ask now, dear Heavenly Father, that you would just sit Jesse down and that you would stand in my place, that you would speak through me to the hearts of your people. This I ask in your marvelous son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Today's scripture, I want to share a scripture with you today. It comes from 2 Peter chapter 1. Verses three and four. And this is what it says. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. Type that in the chat. Know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now, I'm going to share with you some of the things that God has put on my heart in the last month or so. Pastor Herman and just finished a series and we went over what our visions and values are as a church. But you know what? I want to share with you some sayings that sometimes in our lives become our values. Sayings like this. I'm going to share some really old school sharing sayings with you. But the saying that I like to share with you, I'm going to highlight. But just stay with me. Just go on this ride with me for a little bit. Here's one saying, you're my horse if you never win a race. Have you ever heard that one before? Or look both ways before you cross the street. I'm pretty sure you heard that when you were a kid. And I'll give you one that I truly do live by. It takes a village to raise a child. Now, these sayings have been passed down through parents, friends, family, but you know what? Some of them we follow and some of them we ignore. But the ones that we follow, they actually become our values, things that we actually live by. Think about it. What we say becomes what we do. Our values become what we do, how we do it, and really break it down to how we treat and live with others, how we play, 
how we work, how we study, and how we pray. Many times for me, these sayings or statements become values. And I want to share with you one that was shared with me when I was a teenager. See, when I was dating my wife, Pally, who we've been married for 44 years, her uncle, his name is Mabry Gibson, and he was a major in the service. And he always had this stern voice. You know, he would talk to you, I'm Major Gibson. He would always, and I would just crack up. We were always, he was always so serious. At this one particular family gathering, he came up to me and my brother-in-law and a few of us, all the young men, and he kind of got us around in a circle and he pulls his coat down and he gets stern and he says, you know, it's cheaper to go first class. That was my reaction. Cheaper to go first class. Now, I was a young man, and I didn't quite really understand that statement. I referred it to, I don't have that kind of money to go first class. I'm not driving a big fancy car or sitting in first class on a plane. It's like, uh, I'm not rolling like that. So I didn't really get it. But I want you to know that that phrase later on in my life became one of my personal values. Now, I'm going to explain that later to be continued. But if you're online and you're watching or if you're in San Jose and San Jose, ask your neighbor, say to your neighbor, it's cheaper to go first class. And if you're online, type it in the chat. It's cheaper to go first class. Over the past few weeks, Pastor Herman in his sermons have covered four of our vision statements. They read as such. To reach people who feel far from God. To make disciples. To build families. And to transform communities. Now, your vision is what you're called to do. And your values, your values are how you're going to accomplish that vision that God has placed on your heart. Now, we all have visions and values. Sometimes we call them uh, a purpose statements or things to that nature, but they're still the same thing. And if we really, truly do believe that God has put a calling on our heart or given us a vision, we have to come up with a plan to accomplish those goals or that vision. Now, here at NBCC, we have 10 values. And these value statements reflect what is important to us as a church, as NBCC, and how we are going to accomplish those four vision statements. Now, today, I'm only going to speak about two of the 10 and how they apply or how I apply them to how I stay connected to not only God, but to community and to everything that's happening around me. Let me share vision statement number two with you. It says this, we believe that God wants us to accomplish or what God wants us to accomplish as a church, we can only do together. And that is inspired by 
a scripture of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, which says, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Everything about us, God has made it possible. But here at NBCC, we are serious about collaboration. Can you say collaboration? And partnership in everything we do. Just this past week, our staff had an opportunity to uh, participate in a collaboration workshop that was led by our new communications director, Lillian Jenkins. It was fantastic. And I say that because it gave me a new insight on what collaboration and partnership really means. She gave us a new definition, and I want to share that with you. Collaboration is a partnership, a union, the act of producing or making something. Collaboration can take place between two people or many people, strangers or best friends. To collaborate is to commit to the possibility of producing an outcome greater than that would be developed in a silo. I always say, you can't be a Lone Ranger Christian. You cannot do this walk by yourself. But one of the exercises we did during this workshop is we had to partner with one of the staff members that we least knew. Well, by the time we sat around the room, there's plenty of new staff. They were already chosen. Myself and another staff member, her name is Jackie Hua. Me and her became partners. Now, you got to remember one thing. I have known and worked and collaborated with Jackie for over four years. We've been working together and as my opinion and, and most of the staff, as we believe about Jackie, I'll use this term in Pastor Herman's voice. She is the bomb. <laughs> Jackie is so good at what she does, man. I actually love working with her. She turns out such a beautiful product. Every time we ask for, for help or anything like that, she's always there. Really, really one of our best staff or best persons that I've ever known. But part of this exercise we did as a staff was we had to sit and face one another and actually listen to each other's story for two minutes without talking. You had to listen, say nothing in, re in response. And after two minutes, we would switch and I would share my story. Now, because I've done youth ministry for years, I've practiced saying my story in less than two minutes. But this was the first time I got to hear Jackie's entire story. Now, the beauty of this is I got to really get to know her better. I got to know her background, her successes, her struggles. But more than anything, I got a peek, 
just a little peek into her character. Why? How she is the way she is. How God shaped her. Her character. Now, the question I have for you today is this. Do you know God's story? I mean, do you really know his story? Because, you know, to know someone, you have to know their story. And you have to spend time in a conversation talking and listening. Remember our verse, our opening verse, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. They, excuse me, we have received all of this by coming to know him. Mm, by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous and glorious excellence. Wow. Mm, mm, mm. Now, when we talk about that, to know God is to know his story. John chapter one, verse 14 says this, the word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Wow. That scripture is talking about Jesus. So I'm going to ask you this question. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you really know Jesus? How much time do you spend with him? Do you collaborate with him? <laughs> have you partnered with him? In the chat, type in collaboration. If you're in San Jose, say to your neighbor, collaboration. Just back, to, back and forth to one another. Because I say that because collaboration and partnership go hand in hand. Let me move on. The second value I want to share with you today is our value number five. And this is what it says. We pray because we believe in a relationship with God. And the scripture reference we use for that is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, which says, never stop praying. Mm. You know, God wants to hear from us and we need to hear from God. And prayer really does change things, including our own hearts. Have you ever heard this push? We use that phrase when we're talking about praying. We say push, and it stands for pray until something happens. Never stop praying. But I have a question for you. Mm, how do you pray? Do you pray hoping or do you pray with expectation? You see, many folks over the years have asked me 
they've come to me, Brother Cottenham or, or Uncle Jesse, and now they say, Pastor Jesse, can you teach us how to pray? And I always go, sure. The model for our prayer is the Lord's Prayer. I say this is shaped on how we're supposed to pray and approach God, approach his throne of grace and mercy. But I have a model of prayer that was taught to me by one of my mentors, man, well over 30 something years ago. And it's an easy way for me to remember prayer. And this is what he called it. He called it the intersection of prayer. And I want to show you a picture of hands locking together, four hands locking together, which looks like an intersection, right? Going both ways, right? And in the center is Christ. So think about it this way. There are four things you should always include in your prayer. First one is this. Base your request on God's character. Mm. Let me say that again. Base your prayer request on God's character. Now, if you don't know God's story, you definitely don't know his character. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says this. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Mm, 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 mm. You see, I've learned to pray expecting God to answer me, not hoping that he answers, but I also know God's character. So I'm not asking for fantasy or fairy tale prayers. I'm praying in God's will. Second one is claim, excuse me, Confess your sins that you are aware of. Now, let me back up with that one. Are you really truthful with God when you're in prayer? Are you really real with God when you're in prayer? You see, because we sin by two ways. We sin by commission. Oh, we know what we're doing and we're going to do it. And we sin by omission. Some things we don't do that we should do is still a sin by omission and commission. Third point. Claim the promises of God. Did you know that there were over 3000 promises in the Bible? Over 3000. I have a couple of my favorite promises that I hang on to with all my might. But I'm going to share one with you. And it's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, from our opening scripture. And it says, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Can you type that in the chat? Promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Mm, that is deep. Because you know what? <laughs> we can't do this by ourselves. 
We need God. We got to have him. And you got to be able to claim his promises when you pray, because otherwise your prayers just fall on. You, you feel hopeless. When something tragic happens, it's hard for us to pray sometime, right? But God says, even when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit moans and groans on our behalf. Mm. One of my favorite promises is Jeremiah 29 and 11. Very familiar scripture, right? I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, the plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. One that I've always taught youth over the years is Psalms, chapter one, verse one through three. And it says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take or sit in the company of mockers. Now, listen to this. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and does not wither. And here's the promise. Whatever they do prospers. Whatever they do prospers. The fourth element of praying real effectively and making sure that you are connected with God is to be specific about what you ask for. I mean, you got to drill down. The more vague you are, the more general you are in your prayer. How can you expect God to really or how do you know when God has answered that prayer? Psalms chapter 62 verse 8 says this. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. David wrote that, and he didn't have a problem, man, being honest with God and saying, you know what, God, I'm, I'm, God, I'm struggling. My enemies are on me. When will you save me? I'm just not feeling this. It's a real conversation. It's a real collaboration. Those are the four elements of prayer that really help me stay connected to make my prayer to God and not about me. Now, I'm going to go back to it's cheaper to go first class because I know some of you got a little stuck there because I got stuck too in the beginning. But what it really means what it really means, first class means the quality of your choices. How you choose to treat others. How you choose to treat yourself. First class is the only way to go. If you don't go first class, guess what? You waste your time, talent, and your treasures when you settle for anything less than first class. Your best time is with God. The best use of your talent is in service of others. The best use of your treasures is not to waste it by being foolish. Instead, we should be wise. Now, there's a second saying that I'd like to share with you. And it comes from a recent story, an interaction that I had with one of my former students here at NBCC. Now, remember I said that phrase earlier that I really hold on to? It takes a village to raise a child. These are some words that I actually shared with the youth 
that I told them, if you live by these words, if you listen to this, God will guide your path to everything you have ever dreamed about in your heart and then some. And these are the four words. It goes words, actions, habits, character, and destiny. Now stay with me for a minute. This is how I phrased it to him. I told him all, I said, guard your words because they become your actions. Your actions, they become your habits. Your habits, <laughs> they become your character. And your character determines your destiny. Mm. So this is the challenge I made to them. I told them, I said, if you follow this easy path, if you can remember this, when you graduate from college and you're grown, I want you to come back and see me. And if you come back and see me and you can recite this to me and I can see that you actually lived it, I'll give you $300. Now, at the time I made this statement, well over six years ago, nobody was coming for $600. I was, uh... Anyway, <laughs> let me fast forward to just a few weeks ago. One of my students, her name is Avery Wooten. She is back in the Bay Area. After graduating from college, she is here attending medical school at UCSF. And she came to one of our gatherings a few weeks ago. And she said, Brother Cottenham, because she didn't know I was a campus pastor yet. She said, Uncle Jesse, I remember that phrase you told us to remember. I said, what phrase? She said, and she recited it. She said, guard your words because they become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your character and your character determines your destiny. I was shocked. She opened up her phone and she had it in her notes in her phone. Now, I don't know if she's had the same phone for six years. I pretty much doubt it. But it was no hesitation. And I'm a man of my word. I said, wow, $300. I don't have $300 on me. But since you're in medical school and you're right here in the city, how about if I take you, got to, take you out to dinner? A boyfriend was with her. His name's Mike. And I was like, you want to go? He said, yeah. I said, I'll take you both out to dinner. I'm a man of my word. I keep my promises. Right? In closing, this is what I want to leave you with. What are your values? Remember, it's cheaper to go first class. How you treat others. How do you treat yourself? Do you love yourself? Do you love others? Are you collaborating, partnering with others? Second question. Whose story do you need to hear? You see, you get to know people better. You get to know their character and how they're made up when you hear their stories. And that workshop really reignited that for me because I love sharing stories. I love hearing stories. Now, as a campus pastor, I want you to share your story with me, but you got two minutes. <laughs> Only two minutes, okay? So I need you to practice, okay? Last one is this, and this is what I really live on. 
We can only do this together. Our best life happens when we stay connected. When we stay connected with God, when we stay connected with one another, when we stay connected with family, friends. And the pandemic has separated us. And some of us are trying to figure out how do we get reconnected in community, in family, in church. Well, I've just laid it out for you. So I hope and pray that these things that have made a big difference in my life will also make a big difference in yours. I love you. See you soon.